are entertaining today. Welcome to Entertainment Review, where we're going to get you plugged into the movies. We're going to talk about things you can do. And today, we're going to give you a little slice of life uh, behind the scenes of something everyone has either experienced or wanted to, Hamilton. No kidding. Um, There is a way that we can look at behind the scenes like you have never experienced before, and it's part of a new book. We're going to talk about it. Welcome to Entertainment Review. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live Entertainment Review. Roll out the red carpet. Here's Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, big voice guy. Welcome to Entertainment Review. Michael Anthony has written a book, Life at Hamilton. And man, what a way to look at behind the scenes like you've never experienced before. Now, Mike is an actor. He's also a bartender. And he gives us a bit of a behind the scenes, if you will, uh, for the Broadway show. Uh, You might remember Mike. Uh, He has been on our show and he's actually part of a docuseries on Netflix called Surviving Death. He's written a, be- a, a book called Love Dad that talks about his experience in trying to connect with the afterlife, so to speak. And you can look that up. We'll put a link so you can listen to that interview as well. But uh, that's, that's the afterlife. What about life at Hamilton? Life right now? Well, Mike is with us again. Mike, it's good to connect. Hi, Michelle. Thanks again for having me. Yes, yeah, such an odd uh, guy, uh, you know, bartending <laughs> at Hamilton and then studying the evidence for life after death on the weekends. That's, oh, that's my life. Can you explain bartending at Hamilton? Is that like craft services? Yeah, we, we have a, you know, a, we basically we have a concession stand. Uh, you know, we have bars inside the theater uh, to, that, that people come to at intermission to get some some junior mints and uh, and a glass of wine. And that's my uh, that, that's been my day job, quote unquote, for the last 14 years. That is astounding. Do you guys have sippy cups there? Because uh, I, I haven't been to yeah. I, I have not seen Hamilton uh, uh, it, in New York, I've seen it in my own city, and we have those adult sippy cups. Do you guys serve with those adult sippy cups? Oh yeah, those are a huge hit. Uh, those those sippy right? cups. Right. That's the uh, they. Oh yeah, yeah yeah. People people just love those cups, uh, and those that's a. <laughs> it, I, I see those cups in my sleep. It's like we've come full circle, right? Used to have them as a toddler, and yes. now we have them as an adult. Uh, if you have right. not seen the adult sippy cups and you're listening, they're they're just like a clear plastic cup. They're a little heavier than you know the the toss away cups, and they literally have a lid on it that you can slide, kind of like your coffee mug. And you have these sippy cups; it's glorious. So as you are there bartending for a Broadway show, you get to experience. Uh, the the mega fans and boy there are people who know every line i mean they are mega fans you probably experience the people who are saying what's all the fuss about and you experience some of the actors too you share some of those insights and funny stories yes uh it's i mean hamilton is a show unlike any other that i've ever seen i mean its impact on the on the culture, um, it just so far transcended uh, the the Broadway uh, crowd. You know, it became this huge cultural phenomenon. It just was like immediately in the zeitgeist of the culture. Right. Uh, it was I'd never seen anything like it, and the um, the fandom, like you, like as you said, uh, was intense. Um, you know, I remember back when I first moved to New York City, way back when, and Rank was was the big show. And you know, there were there were people like, especially young people, who would sleep out on the sidewalk at night, waiting for the for the uh, lottery tickets to get in the next day. So they literally sleep in their sleeping bags on the sidewalk. 
Uh, and that was the closest I'd ever come to the sort of mania that surrounded Hamilton. It was really like witnessing the Beatles. I mean, that's what that first year Hamilton was like. Isn't that crazy? You know, I, uh, I when I saw Hamilton, I, uh, I there everyone has their own impressions, and there are things that you can learn and glean. I'd like to get your thoughts on when you first saw Hamilton. At first, for me, this was yeah. interesting. I was taken back by the uh, diverse cast. Seeing George Washington as a black man was just like, that's kind of weird. And I'm just going to be straight up honest. It felt like we're trying to be PC in your face. You you know, we and I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But by the end, I realized, you know, the ideals of... America, uh, the freedoms that we enjoy, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, that really has no color. So having George Washington and some of the other actors who were who were white, played by people of color really said that this is uh, an idea uh, of inalienable rights that transcends color or background or faith or or socioeconomic existence. So it really took on a different meaning to me. That was my impression of Hamilton. And as a as a theater girl, as an actress, I really did want to have some scene, some set changes. You know, I really did. It doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's mm-hmm. more of a rock <laughs> opera. What were your impressions of Hamilton when you first saw it? Yeah, first to address what you just said, I think that's so, so uh, well observed. What Tommy Kale, the director, says uh, regarding the casting, the 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 the, the um, I guess you would call it non-traditional casting, he he said that it's the telling of um, America then by America now. So the, it's nice. the makeup of America now telling the story of, of how America came to be. And but, without um, changing I, the story, by the way, it doesn't change the story oh, or yeah. rewrite history. Right, you're right. And like you, I very quickly. Like that was totally out of my mind. Who was playing these? Kids. I was so invested in the story on stage that I—I I mean, I really—I wasn't even uh, that. That part totally went over my head. But I'm gonna admit to you, Michelle, that I am not a history buff, and this is a little embarrassing to say. But when the show was first coming in, I was like Hamilton. I remember that name. I think he was maybe a president. Was he a president? Uh, you know, I knew that there was a duel. He was not a president, by the way, for any of the any kids out there listening who might be in history class. He was not a president, as it turns out. Um, but I knew you figured that out in the deck uh, over a decade that you were tending bar there. Right. It, it, yeah. You learned some things. 14 years. To, <laughs> I finally have learned that he was not a president. Yes. But um, if, if history had been taught the way that Hamilton is presented, I would have recalled a whole lot more. But there that, you that go. First night. Yes, uh, I was a true blank slate. I, I knew nothing about what the show was going to be like. Uh, I knew nothing about what the storyline was going to be. I mean, I really had maintained somehow because there was a huge buzz about it, even when it was downtown off Broadway. But I had really kept the blinders up uh, so that the first night that I saw it, I was really a blank slate. And it was extraordinary Lynn the Lin-Manuel Miranda who wrote it and and we played Alexander Hamilton at first uh he came in as I was cleaning up the bar and he invited us uh, a few of the house members to watch the very last run through the night before it was going to have its first um, public preview so it was me my friend Marie and like five other people in this big empty theater uh watching the show and I was just blown away I was immediately blown away um, by by the whole thing. And by the end of it, I mean, my friend Marie, she was literally sobbing, rocking back and forth in her chair. I mean, she was the, the emotion of it. Um, you know, it's, there are no spoilers. I'm sure now most people have seen Hamilton, but the way that it ends um, and where you learn about what happened with Eliza, uh, who's really sort of painted as the hero of the story, uh, Eliza Hamilton's wife, when you learn that she lived another 50 years beyond him and how she started the first orphanage and how she worked to abolish slavery. Um, I, I mean, it was just, it was an overwhelming experience. And I, you, we knew right away that these guys had captured lightning in a bottle. We knew that this was yeah. going to be 
something special. Um, and, and then it, it, it even exceeded those expectations. Yeah, the music is extraordinary. But as you are listening, if you haven't seen Hamilton and you can watch it on Disney+, Plus. You should be familiar with the music before. If you watch it on Disney Plus, you can watch it again and again. But if you're going to the theater, if you're not familiar with the music, you're spending so much time trying to figure out what they're saying that you don't really get to enjoy it as much. So (laughs) that was difficult in the early days because it was getting pretty pricey to see Hamilton. So it wasn't like you could go again. I didn't get it the first time. Let's get tickets and go again. So uh, just a word of advice if you do see it live. Be familiar with the music. Listen to the soundtrack. Watch it on Disney Plus or watch it a couple of times. It it is, as you kind of touched on but didn't say, it was kind of like back in the day for some of us. Remember Schoolhouse Rock? Oh, yes. Yep. yep. You do? You remember? And and man. Oh, I do. do, Yeah. So I know the preamble because of Schoolhouse Rock. I certainly wouldn't have memorized it in school and it certainly wouldn't have stuck with me. You know, I've got my, I've I've got, you know, how a bill comes a law, all of those things. And this is Hamilton is Schoolhouse (laughs) Rock on steroids. So we've talked a bit about Hamilton, though, but I want to hear about some of the fabulous stories that you share in your book life at Hamilton. Yeah, it, I was I was seeing on a daily basis these these extraordinary things and I started sharing the stories on Facebook and uh really just for my friends and my family and and very shortly after that they began to get uh shared beyond my circle um and pretty soon I had this sort of a, a community uh grow up on uh, around the stories on Facebook. Uh, and then people started asking for the stories to be collected into a book. And that's how that's sort of the genesis of where the book came from. Um, I mean, there were there were, of course, I was meeting these fantastic, uh, fantastically interesting people. I was meeting all of these celebrities and everything. And some of those stories are in there. I got to meet Barack Obama, for instance, which was a, a real uh, highlight of my life. Did and, you sell him um, a drink? Uh, I did not. He did not get a drink that night. No. Okay. No. Okay. Just, um, just wondering no, if maybe no. <laughs> he, you know, what, what, what does it, was he president at the time or was this before when he was still a senator? He was, no, he was president at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I can say that at least during the time that he was at Hamilton, he was not intoxicated while holding the nuclear <laughs> code. He was, uh, he was straight sober. Cause you know, that was my away. next question. Okay. Well, there you go. We've been yeah. friends long enough. You, you can anticipate this. I appreciate that about you. <laughs> of the famous people that um, you've met, um, does any one story stand out? Um, I mean, I, I have met uh, so many. One, one that really got to me for some reason, because my, my dad had, had passed not be- long before this. And I have always been a huge Barry Manilow fan uh, for some reason, which makes no sense. I was like four <laughs> years old, and the song I Can't Smile Without You would come on the radio, and I would be like crying, and I had this huge emotional reaction. And I, I was like in my car seat. And, and, and we, were, we had gotten to our destination. And eventually my mom and dad realized that if that song was on, we just had to sit in the car until the song was over. Until <laughs> that we could is leave. precious. So I had this bizarre connection to Barry Manilow. And then my dad surprised me one day when I was probably seven or eight or something like that. And we took this long drive. And, and like after an hour, he told me that we were on our way. It was somewhere in Pennsylvania to watch uh, Barry Manilow. And that was one of my greatest memories, spending that day out in this big lawn, How watching sweet. Barry Manilow uh, perform. And so when I met him, he, he came to Hamilton. And my dad had died not long before that. And it, it was just um, inexplicably emotional, you know, and I couldn't explain to Barry why I had these tears in my eyes as I'm shaking his hand. Uh, you know, but that that one was really fascinating, uh, really uh, emotional, I should say. And um, you know, I've, I've met a lot of athletes that, that my dad and I were big baseball fans, Red Sox fans. So I've met a lot of like the Yankees ah. and the Red Sox that were, that were um, big when, when I was a kid and we were watching. Uh, so, but I mean, I have met sure. that first year, especially it was, there's probably not a celebrity that you could name that didn't come to Hamilton. I mean, it was extraordinary. You know, I remember one night having to ask Chris Rock to please move 
because he, he and he and uh, Ed Norton are like having this conversation right in front of the bar and, and, and they're kind of blocking the rest of the patrons. And I'm like, Chris, please, please move, Chris. And, I mean, it was like just a just a, an incredible theme that first year, especially. That's really cool. Uh, maybe something funny that stands out in your mind in your 14 years uh, bartending at Hamilton. Maybe a funny moment. Uh, well, there's one great one that, that I think this is in the book. Uh, it's been a while now since I, yeah, I think this is in the book. Uh, the early, like maybe the first or second week of Hamilton, I had a guy, I had CC Sabathia in my line. He was a pitcher for the Yankees and he's probably six, eight, you know, like yeah, he's, he's an huge, he's guy. huge. It's, huge. He's not even human. Huge. He's so huge. I had the same reaction. I was like, how are this guy and me part of the same speech? I mean, he's that large of a guy. Um, and this man somehow missed that mass of humanity and cut right in front of him. So I was about to say to him, I'm sorry, you, you've cut the line, but CC motioned to me saying, it's okay, you know, serve this guy, right? So then in the other line, right to my side that my bar partner Marie is serving, we had basically two separate lines, is Mark Cuban, who is uh, an yeah. owner of a basketball team and, you know, a big, he's on that show Shark, Shark Tank, Shark I think Tank, it's called, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. Shark Tank. And so he's in the other line. And the, the guy in my line looks over uh, to Mark Cuban and says, hey, you look like Mark Cuban. Have you ever heard that before? And Mark says, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I've gotten that once or twice. You know, enjoy the show. And then so Mark leaves. And the guy says, man, he really did look like Mark Cuban, didn't he? And I was like, sir, that was Mark Cuban. And he was like, what? No way, you're kidding me. I'm like, yeah, that, that was Mark Cuban. And you also just cut in front of CC Sebastian. And so he turns around and looks up, you know, and he looks way up at CC, who's laughing. And the look on this guy's face. Um, I mean, that was just fantastic. But the best <laughs> stories, <laughs> the, my favorite stories are just seeing how the show has impacted, uh, especially younger people. You know, it's not unusual to have kids come in who, who are even, you know, younger than teenagers, like 10, 11 years old. And they burst into tears just to be in the lobby and to see a, a, a theater, a live theater, have that sort of an impact on, on people, um, especially young people, was really uh, just beautiful to see every day. And that's something that I appreciate about your book. It talks about that connection. There is something pretty magical about the theater. You are actually watching live something happen where many of our youngest members of our society have grown up with extensive screen time. There's nothing personal about the the television shows and the movies that we see. And even when we're interacting with Facebook and social media, there's not often a lot of real time personal interaction to. So for kids to experience the theater for the first time, it really is, I guess you could say intimate. I agree. Yeah. I mean, as you said, there are so many entertainment options now. I mean, we all have televisions in our pockets, basically, uh, on our phones. Um, and so theater struggles in this country. Uh, I mean, Broadway is doing great, but, but smaller theaters and regional theaters, I'm, you know, I'm sure you know, uh, struggles because there are so many different entertainment options and the audiences are getting older and older and older, and it's hard to get younger people in. Um, and you're right. To, what happens at a live theater performance is unlike any other thing. It's nothing. It's not like going to a movie or, or playing a video game or anything else. It's something that happens once and it happens right then in front of you. And you're all connected in a way that other entertainment doesn't do. Um, there, there's a great study that was done, and I mentioned this in the book as well, uh, by City College London, where they were monitoring um, the electrodermal activity of audience members who had gone to see a performance of Dreamgirls in London in the West End. And um, they found, to their astonishment, that for some reason, when the show began, people's hearts started to beat in time. Their, the hearts of the audience members became coherent for some reason that we can't explain. Then intermission happened and the effect dissipated. And then in the second act, it picked up again. So 
something about watching that live theater performance together literally had people's hearts beating together. And I don't know what that means, but I feel like it's got to be important in some way. Uh, there's got, it means to me that there's some connection between human beings that, that we don't understand and that watching a live theater performance uh, brings out in some way. And then here we are with COVID and in many states, there's lockdowns and lockouts and it is a hitting theater. And that's one reason why I wanted to invite you to remind us of the theater. Oftentimes I scour the country to look for theaters that are doing virtual performances. That Those are wonderful and maybe even a new way that we can reconnect audiences. It's something that we really have not done in mass before, Mike. And suddenly theaters are finding themselves, well, maybe we better go virtual. In them doing that, are they opening themselves up to a whole new audience that may have never experienced theater before? Yes, it's possible that they are. Yeah. Um, You know, it's really hard, obviously, to capture that feeling of being in a theater with an audience and watching a live performance on a screen. It's not easy to do. And I worried when, when life and Ham, I mean, uh, when Hamilton was going to be airing on Disney plus, I wondered if they were going to be able to really capture the essence of it. And I think they did a really remarkable job in doing that at Hamilton. Um, But that took, you know, multiple performances and a whole bunch of camera angles to, to really pull off. Well, um, so it's, it's hard to capture that on, uh, on a, uh, a, your computer screen if you're watching a virtual performance. But that said, it's definitely a way to open up the world of theater to a new audience. Um, and if nothing else, it might make them curious enough to, once we are finally back together again and able to see theater again live, uh, might make them want to go and see what it's like to, I mean, if you like watching theater on your computer screen, you are going to love watching it in person. So, yes, um, isn't it true? Yeah. But it is wonderful to watch it yeah. on screen. I mean, I, I have spent... I, I don't know that for years cats has been out. Joseph is an amazing, the technicolor mm-hmm. dream coat mm-hmm. with Donny Osmond. I mean, they, they take theater and they do it just a little bit differently. It's that's kind of an extraordinary yeah, yeah. experience, but you are absolutely right. If you can get hooked and say, well, this is kind of fun. You're going to love mm-hmm. it live. Disney is right. another uh, outlet that has uh, done things like the lion King, Aladdin, um, Beauty and the Beast, and they've taken it on tour, and it has grasped a whole new audience. That's a good thing. I, what would the world be like if we didn't have theater, Mike? Oh, God. I mean, theater has been around pretty much, as far as we know, for as long as there have been human beings, right? Uh, for as long as we've been gathering together in societies, there has been theater, and there's a reason for that. And, and, and again, I think it's because something important happens when we're all sitting together in a dark theater, laughing and crying together, um, there's a, we just realize that we are, uh, especially at this time, we're, we're all so divided, right? Just politically and everything else there, it feels like we're on two sides of, a, of some spectrum uh, often. And we're not, though. Uh, when it get, comes down to it, we are way, way more alike than we are not alike. Um, all human beings. I mean, right. So I think theater is one of the things that really points that out to us. And I think that's why it's such an important um, art form. And circling back to Hamilton and my comments, yes, and in, in seeing the diverse cast that race really doesn't matter. But uh, it did come under fire from the social justice warriors of the summer. What did you think of that story? It did. Yeah, that was, you know, um, it's almost impossible to do anything where someone's not going to get mad at you. Is what I <laughs> Welcome <learned>. to America. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's just impossible to make everyone happy. You just cannot do it. Um, that said, Lynn w- understood um, the basic point that people were making and, and his whole, I, his whole motivation was to open up a discussion. You know, people were very angry because Alexander Hamilton owned slaves and Washington owned slaves and, and um, you know, they were not good people in some ways, right? You can't, that, that can't be denied. There were 
there were terrible um, aspects of the society that were so prevalent that even the people who we elevated above everyone else also owned slaves. So Lin's whole point was to, um, you know, he, he addresses that in the show. The idea of slavery is, is addressed, not deeply. There wasn't time to go deeply into it in, in his vision of the show. Um, but he, you know, Lynn is a, Lynn is a great guy, a very smart guy. And he, I think he handled all of that. Well, he understood the criticism and, and said, you know, my intent was to open up a discussion, but yeah, you know, it really, it truly is impossible to please every person. You just cannot do it. That's true. I think though, it really gives us a, an opportunity to do something that we are hard pressed to do in our society today and to understand uh, the evolution of thought. In that time, slavery was very common. That didn't mean even some who owned slaves, I want George Washington in particular wrote extensively on on slavery and uh, f- freed his slaves by the end of his life, including uh, giving a, a large trust fund to make sure that they were taken care of. That's an evolution of change. That's society changing. The society changing their mind. Society yeah. trying to grow and to understand uh, what freedom is is we do not give ourselves or others that opportunity right now we see things black and white if it was bad it needs to be torn down if it's if if we don't like it we have to demonize it and uh what hamilton did does i think uh, maybe without trying is show that evolution of change that good people can come from a bad background that we are dualistic that none of us are perfect none of us have reached that pinnacle of perfection so maybe there's some room for not only understanding but for change did i get preachy can i get an amen mike no uh, amen <laughs> yeah i think you're so well said you're, yes Absolutely. I mean, we're, we, as you said, none of us are perfect. We, 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 we become better by degrees. It happens slowly. It takes time for people to become better. And, and, and you're right. Um, uh, we all have work to do, and it's about doing the work, I guess, recognizing that and doing the work. So, yes, amen. Well said. Thank you very much. And well said in your book, Life at Hamilton. It really is a, a fun look into the people and the experience that Hamilton is good for you for giving us another look at this American beloved neoclassic Hamilton. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, If you want more information, MikeAnthony.com. You can click anywhere that you are listening to me right now. We'll give you a connection to the book, to Mike, and hopefully we'll get to talk with him again if he's not sick of me already. I would love to. I'd love nothing more. (laughs) Thanks, Mike. My Michelle Live comes to you with thanks from one of our affiliates in particular, Real Bearded Men. Check out their products. All for our bearded listeners. All my brothers with beards, raise up your beards. Let that thing grow out from ear to ear. They say you're so cute, clean shaven. I'm so sorry, dear. This ain't no shave, no members, no shaving. Brothers with Beards. We have a special deal with Real Bearded Men. Go to our website, get a coupon code, and use the link. You'll get the best deal on products for men with beards. Welcome to our entertainment review today where we talk about things that you can do to enjoy life, enjoy yourself, and enjoy the people around you. And now it's time to enjoy one of our favorite people. I'm pretty cool. Plugging you into the movies, this is Adam Holm. Yeah, we're getting our cool on. Hey, Adam. I know, right? Happy weekend. I am okay. I have, I I came prepared today because I know it's kind of a a slow time and just visited family in Eastern Washington State, right? This last weekend. Uh 
it was kind of crazy because we said, hey, let's watch a movie. It took us longer to find something to watch that we all hadn't watched before that was worth watching oh, yeah. than it did to watch the darn movie. I know. I mean, <laughs> there have been studies done on that. I saw a study recently that says the average person, when they want to watch something, it now takes something like 13 minutes to figure out what to watch. And <laughs> I think it's it's, you know... There was a book out a couple of years ago, actually maybe 10 or so years ago, by a guy named Barry Schwartz called The Paradox of Choice, Why mm-hmm. More yes. is Less. And, and his point is, as we have this ever-expanding range of choice, there's a threshold at which too much choice becomes a bad thing because we get paralyzed because we don't want to make the wrong choice, right? The whole <laughs> fear of missing out thing, FOMO. Um, and I think with entertainment, man, we're... We're at that place. I mean, it's hard enough to even figure out which streaming service do I want to get, uh, you know, because I probably am not going to get all of them. So, you know, back in the day, you get cable and what's on is what's on. And uh, or you had network television. Heaven forbid you didn't have anything else. And what's on is what's on. It's on when it's on. If you missed it, you missed it. You know, you go on with life. But now everything that's ever been created is available all at once, all the time. And it's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> and it's overwhelming when uh, you've seen everything that's ever been created <laughs> during well, lockdown. Too, right? <laughs> so that's I'm right. going to come that's prepared right. today uh, as we talk about new things that we might want to connect with. Yeah. Um, I also want to bring up what maybe we can make a commitment through uh, especially until the world opens up to mention something that's worth a see and then something that you definitely want to scroll past so i okay. want you to think about that and see if you maybe you can I come can up do with both a couple of those. things can you okay i'll let you yep. go first oh yeah yeah well there's a new movie out this week on netflix called penguin bloom have you heard about this one no i haven't can you feel this that's cool. Like a superpower. This isn't forever. You want to erase yourself, who you were. There's the weight of the world on my shoulders. But you're still you, Sam. Hello. Maybe you should have left it there. She needs a name. Penguin. She's a wild bird. She doesn't want to be stuck inside, does she? boys and I were struggling. You're struggling. Yes, it's all of us. (laughs) Must be weird to have wings and not be able to fly. You seem a bit nervous. I'm in a wheelchair. Wouldn't you rather be in a kayak? What if something awful happened? We don't talk in what ifs. We live our life. Sorry, I haven't been strong enough to help you through it, but I am. I'm your mom. Same mom. So it sounds like some sort of animated kids movie. It's not animated and it's not really a kids movie at all. Um, this is a, based on a true story. It's an Australian movie. And Naomi Watts stars as the main character, Sam Bloom. And she and her family are in a hotel. They, the son wants her to go up to the roof. And there's sort of a rooftop area where people can hang out. And she's leaning against a railing. And it's wooden and it's rotten and it breaks and she falls three stories and breaks her back. Oh, um, and you know, I'm sure some of your listeners may be old enough to remember that movie, The Other Side of the Mountain, from the 1970s. I mean, movies about paralysis are not new, but this is just the latest one. Anyway, she survives and she becomes a paraplegic, and she had been a very active, engaged, outdoorsy kind of mom. Uh, you know, big surfer and and so it's a it's an incredibly hard thing for her to try to come to grips with the fact that she's in a wheelchair. And so she's deeply depressed. And then something interesting happens. And this gets to the title. Um, one of her children ends up finding a magpie, the annoying black and white birds that squawk a lot. At least they do here in Colorado. And it's a, it's just a chick and it has a broken wing. And so they adopt this magpie and they name the magpie penguin. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's sort of the story of how, as they rehabilitate this bird, that becomes a metaphor for Sam finding hope, finding life, finding a vision of the future that can be meaningful, even though it looks really different than 
what her past has looked like. So it's a pretty terrific movie, but it's not an easy movie. And it's not one that you necessarily, I don't know that you'd want to watch it with little kids. And I'm not sure little kids would be particularly interested in it. But I think for mature tweens on up, this could be a great conversation starter in terms of how do we respond when life throws something at us that wasn't, you know, in our plan and maybe was really bad. You know, most of us are not going to end up paralyzed, but we all have to deal with disappointment, with setbacks, with hard things. Um, so other than the the falling scene, which is pretty, uh, graphic is too strong, but it certainly is disturbing and we see it from multiple perspectives. Um, other than that, there's hardly any content in this movie at all. So uh, it's PG-13 because of that scene. Uh, but I think it's pretty accessible and pretty navigable for families. If you're looking for something that is intense, but I think very, very much a redemptive film. Do you think that this era that we're in, where we've kind of seen everything, <laughs> get, lends an opportunity for tweens on up, as you mentioned, to watch things a little bit more meaningful and have a better dialogue than just watching the fluff stuff that's kind of fun, but doesn't yeah. necessarily make you walk away with deep, uh, life-changing questions. Yeah, I think so. And I think for all of us as parents, you know, oftentimes when we want to watch a family movie, we as parents are already exhausted and we do want something fluffy. <laughs> we want something light. So I think it, it takes it takes some intentionality to engage with something that we know is going to have a deeper message that we're going to want to talk about. Um, but I think a lot of us do have more time on our hands right now. So it, this seems like as good an opportunity as any. And there's a lot of suffering right now, you know, whether it's somebody in our family directly or friends. I mean, all of us probably know somebody with COVID that has gone through some of the suffering related to it, whether it's sickness, whether it's somebody dying, whether it's a business having to close. Man, yeah. there's a lot of pain right now. And I think anything that can help us be more empathetic is a good thing. And I think when we engage with movies the right way, they can help accomplish that purpose. <laughs> So that's your pick for maybe something we would want to watch. What about the Scroll Past film of the week? Well, this isn't a film, uh, but it is a TV show that is getting a lot of buzz. And it, again, is on Netflix. And it's called Fate, the Wink yes. Saga. Uh, saw and it. It's based I on saw a, it. A, a, okay, well, you can actually tell me about it because uh, I edited our review. I haven't actually seen it, um, but it, it feels like Harry Potter meets Riverdale. It does. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I think that's a perfect explanation. And while it has all the elements of things that I love, the, the imagination, the magic, and <clears throat> the magic isn't an, an evil magic, just to set that yeah. stage. It's more of a, uh, there's other humanoids that inhabit planet earth and they really live in other world they don't really they just leave humans alone and they live in other world but there was a changeling though they call it a baby a human baby that was replaced with a fairy baby and she grows up in the human world and then when things go weird and magic starts to happen in her life and she causes maybe a disaster she's found and she's brought to a an academy in the other world. So it has all the elements of things that I think are fun and interesting and imaginative, although it is very Rivendell, it's very uh, high school-esque and, uh, and, and such. But then there's the dark side. The dark side isn't the magic. The dark side no. is sex and drugs. It's just yep. as though it's very normal, and that's what everyone does, right. and it is sad. Now, it's not very graphic, as graphic right. as as you can see on many shows, but the elements there really ruin it for just enjoying a series. Yeah, no, that's right, and, and I think it gets at the whole worldview question, and worldview is kind of a, an academic word. But I think when we unpack it, a worldview answers basic questions like what's right, what's normal, what's good, 
what's acceptable, what's bad, what's unacceptable. And if you go back through the history of entertainment, at any given you know moment, if you took a, a snapshot portrait of what the entertainment world said, we can get statements about worldview, right? I mean, in the 60s and 70s and 80s, people smoked like chimneys in TV and in movies, and nobody thought anything of it. And as we became more aware of that issue... Only bad guys the did it. of our culture... <laughs> right, exactly. Now it was a tell, right? And I think that we're in this moment where we have all of these shows that are supposedly aimed at teens and supposedly picturing teens, although they're almost always actors and actresses in their 20s, um, where, you know, promiscuity without any consequences is just depicted as a normal and acceptable thing. And those are messages that I think as parents, we really have to engage with if, you know, hopefully we're not watching those shows in our homes, but you know, you have a son or daughter who goes to a sleepover and they happen to casually mention that, Hey, we watched this. That can happen, you know, or even just friends with phones at school. It doesn't even have to be a sleepover anymore. I mean, we all have this stuff everywhere. So keeping those lines of communication open is so important. And And I think talking about these hard issues is important, too, even though it's uncomfortable, because our culture certainly is talking about them. Indeed. So uh, you say, yeah, maybe this is one you want to sit out. Well, I find it imaginative and they have some good elements of, you know, making right choices. It, it just doesn't work for me either because of that uh, element of, I mean, drugs, <laughs> drugs. Uh, let's yeah. get high. That's OK. That's what we do. And and drinking and even in an academy, I'm going to tell you one thing in, in this saga uh the headmistress knows that one of the kids is drunk oh you're drunk you better go sleep it off as though you know that's just what you do no consequences there i mean wow so yeah so i watched a bit of this with my mouth a bit agape thinking yeah maybe this would be something i would steer my teens away from if i had them but uh, definitely worth worth mentioning so my choices for for this week uh If you watch on Disney, Black Beauty. How's she doing? She barely speaks to me. I don't need your sympathy, Uncle Don. That Mustang's got a real mean streak. She's just angry. She was rounded up and taken away from her family. What's her name? I haven't given her a name yet. I heard you lost your family, too. You really are beautiful. That's what I'll call you, Black Beauty. You've gotten closer to that filly in days than I have in weeks. They say horses pick you. Pick you. The rescues have a time limit. You can't sell beauty. You're my family. You know that, right? Watch it go. I'm gonna find you. I promise. Save my life, you know. How can a horse save a person? Yeah, it's just it's beautiful. It's sweet. Yeah. I love the movie. It really is a family film that you can enjoy. Black Beauty is just just really sweet. Uh this And I forget the actress's name who's in it, but she's kind of an up and coming star. Is she? Um Well, good to know. Yeah, no, she's been in several other things, even though at the moment her name totally escapes me. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, a really terrific movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's just sweet. She loses her parents, goes to live with her uncle, uh, yep. and she is rehabilitated along with this captured wild Mustang, beautiful black yep. horse, and they rehabilitate together. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. So definitely worth yeah. to see. My pick of the week and my scroll past pick. It, it's not because of a whole lot of inappropriateness or graphic gr- gratuitous anything. It's just because it, it was the absolute biggest waste of time in my week. And it's called Dwarves of Dragon Mountain. Dwarves of Dragon Mountain. Whoa. I was so excited because I'm thinking, you know, uh, 
Lord of the Rings kind of uh, thing going yeah. through my mind. They're they're mining in Dragon Mountain. The movie starts out with this dragon flying through the air and going into the caves. But past that point, there is no dragon. There is no action, really. <laughs> There's just dwarves trapped underneath the ground trying to get out, and they never do. Boom. There you go. I huh. saved you, you know, an hour and a half Thank of you. one of the worst movies you could possibly come into connection with this I mean, week. is it so, so go. good it's bad? I mean, no, could you watch it? No, so bad it's bad. Like, ironically? No. Okay. No, no. It's so bad it's bad. There's just, it's not just even really, Not even guilty pleasure. No, there just really isn't. There's nothing there. <laughs> There's just nothing there. Well, that's a shame because <clears throat> nobody wants to watch a bad dwarf movie. That's what I always say. Right. Right? No. <laughs> And no dragon. I was looking forward to the dragon. Okay, where's the dragon? Someone's going to get eaten here. It's going to happen. You know, I don't wish that on anyone, but, you know, it just didn't happen there. So those are my picks of the week. Anything else out there? You know, there is a movie out this weekend, and we can talk more about it next weekend, but I'll just make people aware of it. Um, We are in the process of doing our review. Um, It's not done yet, but it is called Finding Ohana. Dad, hello. What if Papa does <laughs> you want it? He's still kill your sister. You guys look taller in the picture. Clint. And I'm not spending my senior year stuck on this stupid island. Whose journal is this? Monks. He was a sailor on the Peruvian. The Peruvian's treasure is legendary. Hey! Why do you have a drawing of a night marcher? You know what that is? Ghosts of Hawaiian warriors. He said they march at night. I know they're coming when you hear their drums. Well, sleep tight. <gasps> Final notice. You're about to lose your house. This is our Ohana's land. I'm gonna die before I leave. All right. Ohana is a big part of you. You know why? Because you, Hawaiian. This was my papa's, and my papa's papa got this from Monk. It's real, Goaty. This is how we can get the money and help papa. Awkward treasure. <laughs> I wasn't that bad. This is it. This is where the queen wanted us to go. What do you think's down there? I just want to grab my sister who thinks she's Indiana Jones. We'll get them. My kids are inside a mountain looking for some Spanish gold. And it's about Ooh. teens from Brooklyn what? of Hawaiian heritage. Oh, okay. I was like, what? In Hawaii. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I'm liking this. All right. And and it, it <clears throat> sort of feels like, um, and this is, again, just from a very cursory uh, knowledge so far. We've got our reviewer actually working on it today. Uh, it sort of looks like it has kind of a, a little bit of a modern day Goonies feel to it. So um, oh, okay. we can talk about that more next week and I'll give you a full report on it. I'm excited about that. That's my story. I'm a little bit Hawaiian and I find uh, some of my heritage when I went back uh, to stay in the islands. So um, there is Ohana there and there is a, an aloha beneath the surface of the vacationing um, Howley world, so to speak, that is really beautiful and real. Um, there's a culture there that is old and powerful and it's, it's, and, uh, full of faith. If, if they touch on it, there's a very, there's very much a faith based, uh, feeling in the Island that comes from, uh, from a, a heavy missionary influence. Yep. Uh, in fact, we'll be talking about this, Adam. You may want to hear this show. Uh, up and coming in February, we're going to be talking about many cultures that seem to have these myths and legends and a n- uh, anything but a biblical feel really have been prepared for the gospel and what happens when the gospel yeah. hits. So we'll be talking about that, mm. but I'm excited about this film. And when it talks about Ohana, um, you're talking about family connections. There's an upcoming movie that we'll be talking about, uh, Minari. Have you had a chance to see Minari yet? I haven't seen Minari yet. I actually just got the screener link. Uh, One of our other people has actually seen it and written the review, but I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list for this week, so we maybe can talk about that. Next week as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll be uh, talking about that in upcoming shows and interviewing the director. 
and I'm looking forward to it because I think there's there's some positive elements to this to this program about it's a film about a Korean family that comes mm-hmm. to Arkansas uh, to make their American dream. And I, I will tell you ahead of time something I enjoy. Pay attention when you watch the screener. Um, I enjoyed their interaction with with people of faith some of them were a little seemed a little cray cray but they were they were good people and the the portrayal of uh christians and maybe red states is obliterated with the with the way people interact here it's it's subtle but i think Hmm. you'll enjoy it and and as you're listening if you're going what's this about uh minari just again a korean family going to start their own farm in arkansas uh what does that mean and how do they make it happen and and watching uh the meaning of family come together that's an upcoming film anything else upcoming that we can look forward to you know, I think those are the main ones, definitely, that are on my radar. Uh, everything else is just really, really obscure. I mean, you know, I look through the list, and I know that I have said this to you repeatedly, but you know, even the movies next week that are going to be released in theaters, you know, Dara and Jezenovac, The Reckoning, Mm-hmm. Minamata, Little Fish, and The Human Factor. I have no idea what, what? any of those movies are. <laughs> no, no, that's okay. We'll right? be talking about them so you can know. We'll make your scroll time a little so, less because we can give you what to watch and what to scroll past here. Like the only thing coming up in the next three weeks that I that rings any bells at all is, thank goodness, on February 26th, we're getting a Tom and Jerry movie. So... Hopefully I they hope it's a thing. It. Yeah, I hope it's a thing. Goodness. <laughs> Do you remember back in the day? I think it was Mike Myers and Cat in the Hat. Uh-huh. Epic I fail. Did. Epic fail. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was, it was inappropriate. It was just not fun to watch for me. I, I, yeah. You know, and so, or Transformers, you take something that you grew oh, up yeah. playing with, and then you make it into something so not not just in many cases inappropriate, sexually and inappropriate, but it's sleazy. Uh, sleazy. Okay, we'll just cut right to the chase and call it sleazy. But uh, for many of the Transformer movies, some of them were okay. Uh, some of them yeah. were the plot was like what wait what right. <laughs> or you know just not well done and so when you mess well, like, with those things come on yeah like david letterman used to joke more explosions do you remember that you know no. he would sort of mock these movies that were high high special effects and low on plot he would say <laughs> more explosions more explosions <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of it. So let's see what they do with Tom and Jerry, if they they make it good. Um, we had uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, which wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't, I don't know if it was a horrible movie, but it was sure creepy. <laughs> you know, the CGI well, was it, creepy. But weirdly enough, I actually liked it. I mean, there was a really you liked strong the CGI? message in it. Or just the movie? No, I didn't like the CGI. Okay. I, I thought the okay. movie was, it was a better and a sweeter story than I was anticipating. Okay. It actually yeah, yeah. Some heart too, <clears throat> yeah so. it's it wasn't that it was a bad film I'll, I'll say you know all together uh speaking of bad film uh, this one had gotten a really bad reviews i know we talked about it in the past but it's available now and i watched it with uh, my older son um this week it's uh cats and while oh, I've yeah. seen cats so many times um, on, right. on stage, the music is is good. Uh, and cats, yeah. I've ne- I've never been the oh gosh, I just love cats. Uh, I do, but it just it, it's always been a little bit uh, esoteric to me. So not yeah. Nonetheless. Yes, when you watch Cats on film, it while it, it helps you to understand what Cats is kind of about, it gives it a little bit more insight into what the story is, I guess. Uh, there is some, it's, <laughs> it's just creepy. CG, the CGI yeah. is just, it's just creepy. It's just creepy. When you yep. see, um, uh, 
what's her name? Wilson, uh, Rebel Wilson, uh, unzipping yeah. her cat suit, you know, which is her cat skin and stepping out of it into you know something shiny a shiny kitty suit it's like what is this this is weird this is just yes or you know you just have to kind of her legs out and being that you know and and their their hands aren't really cat hands it works on stage doesn't work on camera it's a little bit weird but um if you like cats one suspects that Perhaps Judy Dench is having second thoughts about her participation in this one. Uh, And how much they spent on it. How much (laughs) they spent. I don't know if we're going to see people spending that much on, well, ridiculous films, especially just Not for a long time. Yeah. So are we going to see the quality? What's going to go on? Go ahead. Well, I wonder if the upside is it's going to force people to tell stories and not just mm-hmm. do $200, $200 million reboots of franchises that we're familiar with. Because, uh, you know, I think That's we're exciting. in this weird time. I was going to say, I saw Wonder Woman has made $37 million in North America in the box office, uh, you know, and it's not going to cut it. Uh, they're not going to greenlight movies like that again for a long time. I mean, there's still some in the pipeline that haven't been released yet. We've got James Bond, we've got Black mm-hmm. Widow, and you know some of those things. Dune, the new Godzilla versus King Kong movie. So there are some blockbusters oh, yeah. coming, oh, but. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see as many produced because there's not going to be the money to do it. And so the exciting thing is we're going to have to see creativity. I'm excited about that. Uh, In the music world, uh, we're seeing a lot of creativity online. If you don't know what music has done in the last two decades, you have basically six songwriters writing songs for your favorite singers they use the same beats because it's like uh it's like a kind of a brainwashing these are the beats you like and then i'm familiar with it so you automatically like the song and so you'll buy it and feel familiar with it that's it's manipulating you all of the dynamics are taken out and when you go back and listen to music in the 70s you hear uh bands that use immense creativity they didn't have the technology we had but they would use what they had in creative ways to create these uh, now you can look back and say they're masterpieces of of innovation in music and well and even wow in bohemian rhapsody where they take the amplifier and they hang it from the ceiling and they use it as a pendulum to get certain effects i mean that's Bohemian Rhapsody has some problems with it movie-wise, but that was amazing. You know, it's what you're talking about. Indeed. And maybe we'll see more of that kind of creativity uh, coming out. So as we say, the world has changed a bit. Sometimes good comes from bad. And that's the God story for me, that we think that we're set in our ways. We think we've got it all dialed in. And when the world turns upside down and we realize uh, things change, things come to an end, it's not the way it was when we grew up, that's okay. God's still in control and there's always opportunity for something great. That is exactly right. And I couldn't agree more. What more can we say? Whatever it is, we should save it for next week. We should save it for next (laughs) week. That's right. That is exactly right. Adam Holtz gets us plugged into the movies, and you can go to PluggedIn.com. On their website, they have nice, long reviews of all the movies we talked about today and many, many more, even revisits of old movies that you may want to take a look at but you want to know before you go they have television can i say one thing you know if you come to our website you might notice there's some really old movies up on our homepage. this is what you were saying so you know every month and even every week netflix and amazon all these streaming services are bringing new things back in we're trying to highlight some of those movies like this week we've got master and commander from 2003 up um, and some other older movies Mm -hmm. so if you're wondering what on earth are they featuring those old movies for 
that is the reason. There you go. Um, tell you have television shows, uh, YouTube channels, music, video games, even books, and all of those you can take yeah. on. Okay, what's the spiritual content? What is the violence? What's sex? Uh, drug uh, content? Because as each family has their own issues that they want to stay away from and you want to know especially if you have kids at home so thank you for the work you do with plugged in you guys are awesome and as you're listening just know you can support what they do too. go to pluggedin.com and of course listen as adam gives us his words his pearls of movie wisdom every week (laughs) in a very very cool way i'm pretty cool plugging you into the movies this is adam holm Thanks, Adam. Have a good weekend. Thanks, Michelle. You do the same, and we'll talk again next week. I want to share with you something that's changed my life. Uh, It's a product, and I used to take it when they paid me to talk about it at the radio station. And when I left my job, I stopped taking the product, right? And everything went south. It's Calitrin. It is a collagen supplement and the best out there. A lot of people take it for weight loss. I mean, people are losing anywhere from 10 to a couple hundred pounds. That's great. But for me, what it did is it helped me sleep. It helped me focus. My hair, skin, and nails were looking spectacular. It is amazing for those who may have arthritis, achy joints, that kind of thing. But man, it really is a fountain of youth in a bottle, and I could feel its effects when I stopped taking it. So I contacted them and said, hey, do you want to be an affiliate? You know, you don't you have to sponsor my show. Just give me an opportunity to get the product at a special deal and to share that with my listeners. And that's what we're doing. So go to mymichellelive.com, click on the link and learn more about Calitrin, my favorite product. Lisa J is our associate producer and in our entertainment review, just for some giggles and grins, Lisa, you share with us something even beyond entertaining, right to outright weird. Now it gets weird. Weird news. Okay, Lisa J, what kind of weird stuff do you have for us today? Talk to me, girl. Yeah, I've got some really good ones today for you, Michelle, and they're both from Voyeur. So I always said that I would try anything once, but I know I would have a really hard time eating bugs. And I know in other parts of the world, it is very common, and it actually is a really good source of protein and good fats. It is really healthy for you, and it can save on the environment of not having these big cattle factories and pig factories. It is a way to substitute some of that protein that we eat all the time. So some Western civilizations are starting to come to the same understanding that it would actually be really good, and they're trying to they're trying to normalize eating mealworms and actually integrating them into food and restaurants. So sometime soon you might be going to the restaurant and mealworms would be on the menu. While many believe the future of meat lies in plant-based products like the Impossible Burger, some researchers aren't looking to vegetables for their future foods, but rather to what squirms around in the earth around those vegetables. And in the EU, the European Food Safety Agency, or the EFSA, has just approved mealworms for consumption by humans. Mealworms are actually beetle larvae, but they're high-protein, high-fat, and high-fiber, several nutritious things our bodies need. Basically, the dried ground powdered larvae could be added to anything, but despite the ubiquitous use uses of a powder, the mealworm food product still has an uphill battle. Many have an understandable aversion to insect-based foodstuff, a yuck factor that will undeniably take some time to overcome. The EFSA has received some 156 applications for novel foodstuffs since their novel food regulation in 2018, including algae and other insects. Okay, weird, weird. What else do you got for us in our weird news report? This one I thought was really fun. So I know that the music industry has really been suffering during COVID-19 and the band called Flaming Lips 
implemented space bubbles to keep people safe so that they could still rock out at their concert. And these things did look like something out of a sci-fi movie. They were huge. They were bubbles. You could fit three people inside them. They had a little alert system if you needed to go to the bathroom where somebody would come and help you. I thought this was pretty weird and cool. In the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, the rock band The Flaming Lips has come up with a unique way to put on concerts safely with two words, space bubbles. The band perform as audience members danced and rocked out during two shows in Oklahoma. 100 bubbles capable of holding three people filled the venue. Inside the bubble included a fan, bottle of water, signs that show helpers if a person needs to go to the bathroom, and obviously a speaker to listen to the music. There's also an instructional video presented by lead singer Wayne coin. Once in the bubble, you don't have to wear a mask. However, outside the bubble, you gotta wear it. One fan commented on the unique experience saying, it's not just another concert. You're part of this thing and it's never been done before. They're quite up for it being different. All right. And that is your weird news for this entertainment review. Thanks so much, Lisa J, our associate producer. You can find out more about Lisa J and the rest of our very cool staff at MyMichelleLive.com. Meet the team there and find out more about us and what we do and why we like sharing with you the God story. And that's really what it's all about. Finding a little bit of hope and a deeper meaning in the messages and the news of the day. That's why we're spreading the God story. And if you want to give us a hand and be part of it, come on in. Just like, share, Tell your friends, uh, copy links, give them to your friends, and tell people to be a part of this. I think it's an important time and an important program, and I'm honored to be a part, and I'm honored that you joined us today. Have a great weekend. That's Entertainment Review. I'm Michelle Mendoza. Check out more at MyMichelleLive.com.